touch of hands so kind and tender they're leading me in paths that I must cross I have no fear when Jesus walks beside me for I'm sheltered in the arms of God so
Wasn't that a beautiful choir song? Praise God, I love that. Sheltered in the arms of God. And he doesn't just shelter us one day when we get saved. He's with us every day to shelter us, to protect us, to give us peace on the journey. And what a blessing it is. Shall we just open in prayer? Father, we are so thankful for our Lord Jesus Christ who was born into this world in Bethlehem's manger that changed the world, that changed everything for us. And now by accepting him as our Lord and Savior, he's in our life. We have a personal relationship with the Son of God. And we're so thankful that until he comes, we can proclaim this message at Christmas time and throughout the year that Jesus died and saves us and he reigns and is coming back for us. And so now we pray that you will speak to our hearts through your word, that you will hide me behind the cross, that the words spoken will be your words, Lord, and that will challenge us. We pray for anyone here who doesn't know Christ, that today will be the day of their salvation, and for all believers in Christ to be encouraged with this wonderful Christmas season, Lord, we ask in Jesus' precious name. Amen. You know, it's amazing whenever a disaster strikes in the world such as we just had in the Philippines, this huge typhoon that came and blew homes away and lives were destroyed, people died and so forth. You know, the United States is one of the countries that's at the forefront of giving aid to these needy victims, whether it's in the Philippines or down in South and Central America or over in the Asian Peninsula, wherever it is in the world, America is there. We send people to help. We send goods. We send money. Oftentimes we get criticized for it here and abroad, but I thank God for the USA that we're a, a country that helps. We send help. And I can think of help that was sent to us by God the Father when he sent his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, because we were helpless. We had no hope. We were in darkness. We were in sin. There was no one who could save us. And he came to our rescue. He sent his son to die for us on the cross. And that's what Christmas is all about. I love that song by Bill Gaither that he wrote many years ago. God sent his son. They call his name Jesus. He came to love, heal, and forgive. He bled and died to buy my pardon. An empty grave is there to prove my Savior lives. Yes, Jesus came all the way from heaven. And you know, God couldn't ignore our needs. You know, you can walk down the street at this Christmas time and they still have those Salvation Army folks there collecting money. And it's usually in a little red pail and you put your money in and some people just ignore it. They walk by. They hear calls for help. They pay no attention, no mind to it. But our great and loving God couldn't do that. He couldn't ignore us. He couldn't look away. He couldn't sweep it under the carpet. He loved us too much as to not send his son. And so he sent Jesus into this world. And the title of our message is today, God sent his son into the world. That is a remarkable thing that God would come down in the person of Jesus Christ and combine perfect deity and perfect humanity in one glorious person, our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why every Christmas is beautiful to us. It's not the holiday season. It's Christmas. It's not happy holidays. It's Merry Christmas. 
And we as Christians need to stand up, speak up and say, hey, when people wish you happy holidays, say Merry Christmas. And many times they'll respond back Merry Christmas, but they, Merry Christmas, but they can't do it until you say it to them. It's amazing. We have winter trees and winter breaks, and it's not what it's about. It's Christmas. It's about Christ. If you take Christ out of Christmas, there's nothing left. Amen. And sure, we have beautiful trees, and we have beautiful lights on our homes, and we have everything decorated so beautifully, and it's amazing. Christmas is a beautiful time. I made the proclamation this week, I'll never participate in Black Friday. I said to someone, I said, I'm never going to go to Black Friday. I'm never going to go to the mall. I never go near the mall on Black Friday. I never have and I never will. Don't ever say that. <laughs> My microwave went out this week. <laughs> and I went down. Sylvia and I were together and I went down to, to buy something. We were buying some things at Sears and I needed to buy a microwave. So I went into the, to the fellow and I said, is this one on sale? And he says, no, but it will be on Black Friday. <laughs> I said, now I know I'm in trouble. Now I know I'm in trouble. I said, okay, I'll come back. So I went through my day. I went down to the mall. I got in so quick, too. I found a parking spot really close. I went in. I, went, I got a salesperson to help me right away. I was so happy. I said, I want to get this. And so she said, let me check on it. She says, we have the black one. We have the white one. But we don't have the stainless steel. I said, I wanted the stainless steel because it matches the rest of my kitchen. I said, I got to have that. I said, can you check the Concord store? So you can imagine now, I said, can you check the Concord store? So I said, okay, check it. She said, they have an 11 in Concord. I said, great. So I drove in my car. I said, Lord, I didn't want to go to Black Friday in the first place. Now I have to go to a second Black Friday up in Concord. So I go to Concord. I get in pretty good. It was more crowded. The parking lot was crowded, but I went in. Again, I got a salesperson to help me. And finally, I got the microwave, they brought it out, they delivered it, everything was fine. But never say never. <laughs> but it really wasn't that bad. I wasn't really, I thought it was going to be worse. But, you know, Christmas is still beautiful, though it's commercialized right and left. Well, today we're going to look at three simple things about the coming of Christ into this world. Number one, God sent his son at the right time. At the right time. Secondly, God sent his son to the right place. And third, he sent his son for the right result. And may the Lord encourage us. Turn with me in your Bibles today, if you wish, or you can follow up on the screen to Galatians chapter 4. And we'll start reading at verse 1. We'll read the first seven verses of Galatians chapter 4. Reading from the New King James Version, it says, Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, does not differ at all from a slave, though he is master of all, but is under guardians and stewards until the appointed time by the Father. Even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of this world. And then here's the key verses we're going to focus on, 4 through 7. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. 
And because you are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir, an heir of God through Christ. May God bless the reading of His Word. You know, God's timing is impeccable. He doesn't come one minute too soon, and He doesn't come one minute too late. Sometimes when we're waiting upon the Lord for something, we wish he'd come sooner, don't we? We wish it was the speed of a microwave and we have to put it in an oven. You know, we have to wait for it to cook. We have to do it the old-fashioned way. But waiting on God yields the best results in our lives. And then the best result here was that God chose the time and the place for Christ to be born into this world. It was in the fullness of the time. You know, another way to say that is the time was ripe. It was ready. The world was ready. Do you know that for 400 years, God was silent? From the Old Testament to the New Testament, there's a period of time called the 400 silent years. There were no prophets. There were no direct revelations during that time. It was silent. And this world was dark. It was sinful. It was evil. And that was the world that Jesus chose to be born into. He chose the time and he chose the place to be born into this world. Yes, the time was ready. The time was prepared. Interestingly, I like to read the Daily Bread. It's a blessing. It's a good devotional. And there's a writer there. His name is Joe Stowell. He's a writer of many Christian books. He's a great writer. And listen to what he said about the time that Christ came into this world. He said, a quick look at history reveals that the coming of Christ was at just the right time. Centuries earlier, Alexander the Great conquered most of the known world, bringing with him the Greek language and culture. On the heels of his demise, the Roman Empire picked up where Alexander left off and expanded the territory under the unifying influence of the culture and language of Greece. It was under Rome... And that rule that the crucifixion took place, where the blood of Christ was shed for us. It was under the rule of Rome that conditions were made ready for the spread of the gospel. Across three continents, good roads, territorial boundaries free of passport restrictions, and a unifying language. The providence of God had put all the pieces in place for the perfect time to send his son. Accident? By accident? By chance? By coincidence? And it all came together at that moment? No, God chose the time. God chose the place, and it was exactly at that right time. Man's timing once in a while works out, but many times it doesn't. But God's time works every time. God's timing is perfect every time. Because when we wait on Him and we wait for His answer and we wait for Him to do great things in our lives, it's always perfect and we always say, don't we? I'm so glad I waited. I'm so glad I didn't rush ahead and do it my way and do my will or choose second best. Because when we wait for God's will, it's the best. It's the best. And we can thank God for that. But as human beings in our flesh, and I can speak from experience myself, it's hard to wait. It's hard to wait. That's why the scripture writes to us in Psalm 37, 7, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. 
Yes, we have to rest in the Lord and we have to be patient and it's hard. But can you imagine that exciting day after all those 400 silent years and all the things that had happened and all the pressures and trials of life, finally for that day when Jesus was born. A day that would change the world forever where he came and he was born in Bethlehem's manger. What an exciting day that was. We think about the story of Simeon in the Gospel of Luke chapter 2 in verses 25 to 32. We see an older man there. His name is Simeon. And God by the Holy Spirit had revealed to him that he would not see death until he had seen the Lord's Christ. Time marched on. He got older and older. I spoke on this a couple of years, a few years ago. Time had gone on over and over, and there it was. And people probably discouraged him. He said, Simeon, you've been waiting for a long time. You've been talking about the promised Messiah coming, and he isn't coming, and look how old you are now. You're an old man. You can barely see, and he hasn't come yet. And he probably rebuked those people that said that to him. He's coming. He promised me. God promised me. And if God makes a promise to you, he's going to keep it. If he makes a promise to me, he's going to keep it. We can claim every promise of God. They're ours in abundance. And his timing is so beautiful. And so there Simeon was. He went to the temple as he always was and did. And he was in the right time at the right place. And all of a sudden, Mary comes in, and Joseph comes in, and the baby Jesus was with them to do according to the scriptures, to circumcise Jesus on the eighth day, and to offer the sacrifice that was given. And there's a little tidbit there to keep in mind. Jesus' family was a poor family. They offered the two turtle doves and, and as a sacrifice instead of the lamb. They were, he was born into a poor family. Born into a poor family born in a manger, all chosen by God to be the most beautiful birth ever and for him to do so many great things and to die for our sins. But there he was, promised by the Holy Spirit. And as soon as he sees Jesus, I mean as soon as he sees them coming in, that's the one I've been waiting for. How did he know? By the Holy Spirit. How do we know God's will today? How do we know God's truth? How do we know about him? Through his word. He's given us his word. Simeon had the promise that God gave him. They only had up till then the, the Psalms and the prophets and those things. We have the full revelation of God from Genesis to, to Revelation now to rejoice in these things. And what a blessing it is to see the Lord Jesus Christ there. And so he sees him. He says, now, Lord. Let your servant depart in peace because I've seen your salvation with my own eyes. And you know, they didn't have glasses. They didn't have glasses like that. They didn't have contact lenses. He saw Jesus with his own natural eyes, with his vision. I believe he, God gave Simeon vision better than any of his contemporaries, any of his family or anything. He kept his eyes so that when he saw him, he saw him face to face, and what a blessing. And when we get saved and we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, we see him by the eyes of faith. We don't see him with our natural eyes. We'll see him spiritually. Now we see him, but physically we're going to see him in heaven. Those who know Jesus as Savior, and what a blessing it is. He was born the true Messiah, the King of kings, and the Lord of lords, and Jesus fulfilled every prophecy 
Every promise in Scripture, he fulfilled it. In fact, Jesus said in Matthew 5, 17, Do not think that I came to destroy the law. I did not come to destroy it, the law or the prophets. I came to fulfill it. And Jesus came and he fulfilled the law perfectly. Yes, when we're born into this world, we're born as sinners. And no sinners can go to heaven. Our sin keeps us out of heaven. It separates us from God. It gives us no hope. But when Christ came and he died on the cross for our sins, he opened up a new and living way to be with the Father, to have eternal life. And so that is what we celebrate this Christmas season. Jesus died on the cross. He bore the curse of our sin, and he died, as we were talking about at Breaking of Bread this morning. Bill McDonald was a great Bible teacher. He's with the Lord right now. He went home to be with him a few years ago. He said this about this verse. He says, in this verse, we have in a few words a marvelous statement as to the deity and humanity of Christ. He said, he is the eternal son of God, yet he was born of a woman. If Jesus had only been a man, it would have been gratuitous to say he was born of a woman. How else could a mere man be born? But the expression in our Lord's case witnesses to his unique mode of birth. Born into the world as an Israelite, he was therefore born under the law. But get this, as the Son of God, the Lord Jesus would have never been under the law. He was the one who gave the law. But in condescending grace, he put himself under the law that he had made in order that he might magnify it in his life and bear its curse in his death. Imagine, Jesus is the law giver, and he humbled himself. He came down to this world, took upon himself the form of a man, and went to the cross, and he obeyed God's commandments fully and completely. He was sinless. He was pure. He was innocent. Not only did he never sin, he could never sin because he's God, and yet he came down to live among us as our great Emmanuel, and to die in our place on the cross. But imagine what would have happened if Jesus had never come. We would still be lost, we would still be in darkness, and we would still have no hope if Jesus hadn't come. But praise be to God that he did come, that we can sing about him this Christmas, we can proclaim him this Christmas, we can enjoy all the festivities of Christmas because they speak of Christ. Whether it's lights you see outdoors as you drive along, speaks of Christ. If you see the trees, speaks of Christ and the gifts that he gives to us and the gift of eternal life. It's so beautiful and we should enjoy it because it is the greatest story ever told. Amen. You know, we have two songs in choir we've been singing. One of them is the greatest story ever told. And then there's another one that's called, it's still the greatest story ever told. Well, guess what? It still is the greatest story ever told. And I challenge you today, if you can find a better story, let me know because there is none. God coming down to our world, living among us, dwelling among us, going to the cross, dying for us, rising again. I mean, it's a beautiful story. Hollywood could never come up with anything better than that. They couldn't even have thought anything like that. This is God doing it. And when God does something, it goes far beyond what man could ever think or plan or do. But praise be to God, in this portion we see it. He came at the right time and he came to the right place. The greatest story ever told. 
And then we see here in this passage in, in verse 4 how it says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, and notice what He did, to redeem those who were born under the law that we might receive the adoption as sons. God didn't just save us. He made us sons. He just didn't say, come join the family. He says, I'm going to make you an heir, an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. I'm going to give you all these things. And so when we get saved, we have every spiritual blessing. We have all the inheritance given to us. We have it right now, and we're going to enjoy it in heaven. You know, when, when a wealthy relative passes away, whoever is the heir gets the money. And if you're fortunate enough to be the sole heir, S-O-L-E, you should be really thrilled because that means you're going to get it all. You don't have to share it with others. If there's heirs plural, you have to share it with others. We've all been through that. But when you're the sole heir, you get it all. And as Christians, when we receive Christ, we're like the sole heir. We get it all. Even though there is hundreds and thousands and millions of Christians who have ever lived or ever will live, but we're all like soul heirs because we have it all. It all belongs to us. We're redeemed. The word redeem means to buy back. And he went to the slave market of sin and he bought you with his own blood. He bought me with his own blood. He said, I love Milton so much, I want to pay his price in full. And we look at ourselves and we say, why, Lord? I'm a sinner. I don't deserve it. I, there's nothing in me. Why should you love me? Why should you go to that extent to die for me? Why should you want to have me in heaven? And how can we explain the love of God except to say it's beyond our comprehension? It's beyond length and depth and height. We can't explain it. We don't have the words. We don't have the capacity to explain it. But he has redeemed us with his own blood. In 1 John 4, 9, it says, And this is love that the this was excuse me, and this is the love of God was manifested toward us that God sent his only begotten Son into the world that we might live through him. He sent his son for you. He sent his son for me. And that is an amazing thing. God loved us enough to send Jesus into this world. That's what Christmas is all about. There's another hymn that I love so much. It says, Oh, the love that sought me. Oh, the blood that bought me. Oh, the grace that brought me to the fold. Wondrous grace that brought me to the fold. How far did Jesus have to come to save us? He had to come all the way from heaven. How far did he have to go to save us? He had to go all the way to that cross. He couldn't have stopped at any one point. It wouldn't have worked. He had to go all the way all the suffering, feeling all the pain, all the agony, bearing our sins in his own body. Amazing. Yes, he did it all for us. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. And those who are saved, your soul is as white as snow today. But if you don't know Christ, it's not. But it can be. Because God doesn't, he desires that everyone should be saved, can come to repentance and come to the truth. But isn't it a marvelous thing that we can have a personal relationship with Christ? Not just to know about him, but to know him, to be with him. He's our friend, he's our savior, he's our redeemer, he's our king. And the king came down from glory and he died for us 
on that cross. And what a beautiful blessing it is. If you look over at 1 Corinthians 3, 21 to 23, Paul reminds the Corinthians about really what they have in Christ. And he says this, Therefore, let no one boast in men, for all things are yours. All things are yours. Whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or things present or things to come, all are yours. And get this, this is why. And you are Christ's, and Christ is God. What a blessing. How rich we are. And yet we don't live like rich people in Christ. So many times we don't. We need to realize how rich we are. And notice the relationship that he mentions here in this verse. He says, And because you are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Abba, Father was an Aramaic term, and it means really a close, loving, endearing term, Daddy. It's like saying Daddy. When you have a Daddy, somebody you love so much, you just cling to them. And the Lord says, I am your father. I love you. And because he is our father, we're his sons and we're heirs. And he's given us all these things. He said, once you were slaves, now you're sons. Look at verse 7. Therefore you are no longer a slave but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. You know, I think about that story of Mephibosheth in the Old Testament. And it's one of my favorite stories in the whole Bible. Here was a man who was part of Jonathan's family. He was son of Jonathan. We know the story. He was being carried by his nurse when they were trying to flee the city, and he fell, and he got crippled, and he could never walk again. And you know, you see it on TV sometimes. You see people that are crippled and paralyzed. They can't walk. And just this week, I was watching the news, and I saw this gentleman who was scaling El Capitan. And you say, well, many people have done that before, right? How about a guy that can't walk? He has no movement in his legs whatsoever. He was climbing up El Capitan about a few, about a few feet at a time. It took him three days, and he finally reached the top. He was dehydrated. He had hyperthermia. He had all these things. And you, you ask yourself sometimes, why would somebody want to even choose to do that? But it just goes to show that like Mephibosheth, he couldn't walk, he couldn't do anything. He was totally helpless. And can you imagine when they came knocking at his door, we're from the house of David. David would like to invite you to come to dinner. Oh, great, great. Oh, no, you don't understand. Not just for dinner. He wants you to come for dinner every day. Every day. Well, that's great. What do I need to bring? A couple of things with me? No, bring everything with you, but you're going to eat dinner with the king every day. You're going to have all the best, and guess what? You're going to be one of his sons. He's going to count you like one of his sons. He couldn't believe it. And he, and he said, I better go along and find out if this is really true or not. And when he got there and he found out it was true, he was so amazing, he says, why, David? Why would you think of me? I'm just this dead dog. And he says, I'm doing it for Jonathan's sake. Jonathan was one that David loved very much. And why would God love us? And why would he make us his sons? And why would he make us heirs? For Jesus' sake. For Jesus' sake. 
so that when we get to heaven and we stand before the Lord, it will be all for what He has done for us, not for any merit of our own or any goodness of our own. You can't get to heaven by good works or doing it on your own. Only by the grace and mercy of God. Jesus died, we accept Him as Savior, and then we're assured of being in heaven. And don't we feel like Mephibosheth sometimes? Why, Lord, would you love me? Why would you give me all these things? Why have you been so good to me? I don't deserve it. And it's all true, we don't deserve it. But thanks be to God for his amazing, unbelievable love that never runs out. It's unconditional. Even when I blow it, even when I fail again, the Lord says, I still love you, Dean. You're still my child. You're still my heir. I've still given you all these things. I'm not going to take them back. You still have heaven. You still have eternal life. And you say, well, Lord, I'm so unworthy. Yes, you're unworthy, but I consider you worthy enough. And I love you enough to give you all these blessings of eternal life. It's so fantastic. Yes, once we were slaves to sin, now we're sons of the Most High God. Once we were spiritually bankrupt, penniless, now we're heirs to the kingdom. Once we were strangers, and now we're part of the family of God. I mean, can it get any better than that? So when we go out this Christmas season, let's remember, Jesus is our Savior. He's our Lord. He is our King. And we celebrate His birth. And let's remind people that it is about the birth of Christ. All these other things, it's not good. I just got in the mail yesterday from the Lighthouse Christian Bookstore. They send out these things, right? And I like the Lighthouse. I go there all the time. And so I picked it up, and I saw this word out of the corner of my eye, barnstormers and I knew that barnstormers was the thing it's the new coffee shop within Lighthouse and so I picked it up and I was looking it over some of the things they have for Christmas and a, a, a reading time with Santa something like that I couldn't in the Christian bookstore I mean I'm not against Santa Claus it's okay but it's not the meaning of Christmas and it's not something I think you should have in a Christian bookstore time with Santa no that's not what it's all about at all. It's about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. And so we want to summarize today the fact that he came at the right time. He came to the right place and he came to do the right result. And just at the right time, not a minute too soon, not a minute too late. And we can wait upon the Lord too because God's perfect timing. You may be waiting for a job. I am for a new job. In his timing, he's going to provide it for you, Lord. He's going to provide it for me in his timing. You may be waiting for a promotion. He's going to provide that. He's going to provide it in his timing. You may be waiting for the right man or the right woman to marry. And sometimes you young people, you get, you get discouraged. I know what you're going through. But wait, 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 wait on the Lord because what happens when you wait is you get the best. You get the best. God sent Jesus at the right time to the right place, and he'll send the partner for you at the right time at the right uh, place. And let's remember, let's not settle for anything less than God's perfect will. God's perfect will. And second, let's remember that Jesus came to the right place. He was born as a Jew. He was born as a woman, born under the law. He was put himself into that position, the holy powerful, mighty God came down. He was born as a little tiny baby, helpless baby in Bethlehem's manger. That is incredible. Incredible. And he put himself under the law, kept the law perfect, perfectly sinless, went to the cross, bore our sins, 
and died for us. And then finally, let's remember, the perfect result is he's redeemed us with his blood. He's made us sons and he's made us heirs. And if you can think of anything better than that, I gladly invite you to say it. Because there's nothing better. Everything belongs to us because we belong to Christ. So let's go out and enjoy this Christmas season. Let's enjoy every light, every tree, every festivity, everything. Let's come to all the meetings. Let's enjoy it. Sing praises and Christmas carols. I love those the best. I mean, there's nothing wrong with Frosty the Snowman. And there's nothing wrong with uh, Deck the Halls and all these things. I love those too. But I love these beautiful hymns like, Oh, oh Come All Ye Faithful joy to the world all these are these are to me the real carols of christmas because they have the great meaning and let's bow our heads this morning and if there's anyone here today that doesn't have a personal relationship with jesus christ you know about him you've heard about him before you've thought before yeah one of these days i should accept christ let's do it today let's make this the christmas for you the best christmas ever the best day ever because you know, when you get saved, this will be the best day. So I can assure you, if you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior today, you can write it on your calendar, you can write it in your notes, 12-1-2013, the best day of my life. Christ has come into my heart, He's changed my life, He's made me what I am. And if you do that, this will be the best day of your life and the best Christmas of your life. Shall we just bow our heads? In a word of prayer, Father, we thank you for your Son, the Lord Jesus. We thank you for sending him when we needed him so badly. We thank you for loving us so much when we didn't deserve it. We thank you, Father, for allowing him to go to that cross for us and bear our punishment and our shame and all our sins in his own body. And we pray, Lord, for anyone here who doesn't know you is personal Lord and Savior. We pray that today will be the day. All we have to do is have to confess our sin, that we're sinners, that we repent of our sins, that we turn around and turn from our sin to you and ask you into our life, Lord Jesus, to be our Lord and Savior. And then you will fulfill your word. You will save us. You will give us a new life. And we pray that someone in this audience today will get saved. Someone will receive Christ and their lives will be changed. And this will be a monumental day. And so, Father, we commit this time to you and pray that you will give us a great week and help us to enjoy this Christmas season. And we praise you and thank you in Jesus' precious name.